Welcome to the Propreneur Podcast, where we help practice owners become better entrepreneurs. I'm your host, Dino Watt. Welcome once again, everybody, to the Propreneur Podcast. I'm your host, Dino Watt. Excited to have you here again for another professional day. Of course, every week we release two episodes, one with our experts and one with our professionals. And I always love hearing from our professionals because they're the ones who actually have their fingers in the trenches, if you will, of business, and we'd love to hear their experience. And today is no exception. Remember, if you are a uh, constant listener of our show, please share it with your friends or colleagues, especially uh, now for them to get the best practices possible. Or if you are brand new to our show, thank you and welcome to our show. Remember to subscribe and to always share our episodes with everyone else. Today's episode is one you're definitely going to share, especially if you've ever thought about having a business partner or you are currently in a business partnership, I can tell you that it's one of the top questions I get asked over and over again is, how do I create a successful partnership that doesn't end in civil war or or that we actually leave each other loving one another? Now, there are many of you who've done this successfully, but as you all know, there are others who have not. So today we have Dr. Alyssa Emery Carter, who's going to actually share with us how to have a successful business partnership in your dental orthodontic practice. And we could not be more thrilled to have her here. Welcome to the show, Dr. Lisa. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Oh, we're so excited to have you. And as we were talking about before the show started in the, in the pre-interview, this is definitely one of those areas where I think more and more people are going to need some guidance. I don't feel like there's a ton of guidance out there. It's a ton of like throwing spaghetti up against the wall to see if it sticks. And I'm sure you've heard of some of those horror stories as well. Uh, yes, sir. I have. Um, did you just I, call me sir? I did. Sorry. It's habit. <laughs> you're from Texas. I know you're from Texas, but okay. <laughs> um, yeah, definitely a lot of horror stories when you first start thinking about a partnership and looking into forming a partnership. I feel all you hear is, about failed partnerships. Yeah, yeah the uh-oh, <laughs> oh no, be careful. <laughs> Anybody, it's very hard to find people that have had a successful partnership and it really puts some doubt in into it, but it's probably also good to be cautious because then you're, you work through with the person you want to be a partner with and try to work more into writing about what if this happens, what if this happens, because a lot of problems could be unavoided if they were planned beforehand. That's right. Absolutely. I think planning is the biggest thing. Well, we definitely want to are going to get into your expertise and your thoughts around this uh, because you're actually living it. Before we do, we always love to start off the show with our guest story. We love to hear the stories. I think that's what connects us most as human beings is that commonality of we all have a story. Um, and so we'd love to hear yours. How did you get involved into orthodontics and dental space? What made you want to go into it? And uh, just tell us the whole thing. Okay, so um, I'm born and raised in a small town in Texas, North Texas, and um, had a bit of delayed eruptions as a child. So all of my friends had their braces on, and I just wanted to have braces and still didn't get them. And they all had theirs off before I had mine on. Um, And then also, I loved going to my pediatric dentist, Um, not necessarily as a young child, but when I became a teenager, we traded to a new one in town who actually works next door to me now. It's amazing. And I remember just love going to him. And I think maybe I had some 
experiences before being a little timid or scared in the pediatric office. And all of a sudden I lived it and became um, and drew an appreciation for recognizing the difference and how I felt. And then I was right at that age, 16 years old, I had braces on, I liked my new dentist, of people starting to ask what you want to be when you grow up. And mm-hmm. I'm still trying to figure that out, but right. um, <laughs> um, but that that's really what started to inspire me. I was like, man, I really enjoy going to see them. And so I just asked what it took to become an orthodontist. And, and I was told 11 years of school and four years of college and four years of dental school and three years of residency. And I just went for it. Wow. Um, yeah. <laughs> I know a lot of 16 year olds that so that would detour right away. 11 more years of school. That's, <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I'm one of those that would have been, been deterred by that. Um, I, I love that you at, I, I just always think it's interesting how we do ask 16 year olds, what do you want to do with the rest of your life? It's like, well, I don't know. I'm 16. Like I've only been on the air for 16 years and yet you connected with that and you went, okay, cool. That sounds like fun. That's a good idea. And then you went to school. Where did you go to school? Um, so did my undergrad at Oklahoma State University. Mm. Go. And I did my dental school at Baylor College of Dentistry. Well, Texas A&M now, College of uh-huh. Dentistry. Yeah. And my residency at University of Florida. Uh, were you there with uh, Scott Miser? I was not. No? Okay. I'm just not, because he teaches at Baylor now too, I believe. I think he's gone back to do that. Anyways, small world. I hear Baylor quite a bit uh, from our, our guests here. So now you are in a practice. And did you first start out in this practice or did you like hop around a little bit? What, what was that journey? Um, so I, I'm in a practice in my hometown. Um, oh, cool. I moved back to my hometown. That was definitely one of my dreams was to move back close to my family and close, close to my community, maybe give back to... Um, you know, my family who 100% I would not be where I am today without them. And, and even just having that takes a village to raise a child atmosphere growing up. Um, I still thank my high school principal and teachers I run into for always being encouraging and supportive. And so I did come back here, but, um, when I graduated, I wanted to come back home, but there wasn't necessarily a full-time option without opening my own practice. Sure. And that's something I definitely considered. And so I reached out to a couple orthodontists in town and one of them gave me an opportunity to be a part-time associate. And then I took two other part-time associate jobs in two different corporate practices. And one was about an hour away, Mm. a couple days a week. And the other one was two to three days a week, um, about three hours away. Wow. So. (laughs) That's a big commute. Yes. Wow. And so you did that and then you came back to uh, your hometown and was this the guy who gave the opportunity part-time that you decided to partner up with or how did that work out? Yes. So I did both of the corporate jobs part-time for my first year while I was also working in this same private practice my first year out. And it's um, a woman orthodontist, Dr. Lisa Stokes, and she is the one that gave me um, the option to partner. And that was discussed before I ever joined. There was no definitive timeline. We discussed a timeline, but you know, we also had to see where the practice went and where it took us before moving forward. Nice. Okay. So, um, you guys started the partnership. 
And then with that, how much conversation was around the whole partnership idea? Because as you said at the beginning, you've probably heard some stories from some of your colleagues that didn't go so well. Yes. <laughs> Before I became an associate, even my third year of residency, our contract was stated to do a one-year associateship, make sure that, you know, we both lived through it uh -huh. and then reassess, <laughs> <laughs> reassess the situation right. um, for partnership. And that was pretty much the extent of it. And even though we had put a little bit more, not in writing, discussed the timeline, I never relied on that or thought that it would become official because I knew from all the stories I had heard that, hey, be careful if that's where you want to end up and it doesn't right. work out, you could put yourself in a non-compete where you can't even have the option to go open and practice there. For sure. So it's, it's hard because it, if you know that's where you want to be and then you take a risk in that yep. way and know that you could potentially lock yourself out. But I thought to myself, worst case scenario, I locked myself out for an additional two years and then I can, I mean, it wasn't life or death. It wasn't ideal, but I thought taking that risk was better than the other route of just opening from scratch at the time, straight out of residency. And with all of the pros and cons in partnership, um, which I'm sure we'll, we'll get to elaborate on later. Yeah. I don't regret it at all because you will never be able to have um, a mentor as someone as close that already owns a business that already owns a practice. Um, and they, just, have, they have a vested interest in you being really uh, in, invested, if you will. They want to see you succeed, hopefully. Right. So let's get to the chase real fast, though. If you could narrow down the one thing that's made your partnership successful between the two of you, even from when you were doing the part-time associate uh, situation, what is the, what's the secret? What, what do you think is the main thing? I would say it's two things. One is to open your eyes to the way other people think and then give grace to each other. And the second thing would be, it's a give and take relationship. It's not, I get this and you get that in return. It's okay. We think you think this way. I think this way, what is better? I mean, one of, and maybe there's not a best answer, but there has to be a best answer for your practice and for your right. team. And, and you sit down and have an open communication and talk about it because you will not, there is no way if you both are just working day in, day out, that your minds will think the same or you'll treat patients the exact same or, you know, um, yeah, for sure. in the same way, everything you do will be a little bit different unless you're actively trying to have those open communications and they're not always easy. You know, sometimes you see no, something, of course not. Think, Oh, we, we need to talk because I might not have done it that way. Or I really like the way she handled that. And I want to know, more on how she would handle another situation similar or something like that. No, that's absolutely true, right? Because well, it's just like a marriage in any situation, that's right? True. You get brand new married, you have people you like, somebody that obviously you like enough to get married to, yet there's always going to be a different perspective the way that we see things. Mm -hmm. I do an exercise I mentioned, I think, on the show before that I'll do with teams where I play a game with them. It's called a perspective game. And the outcome of the game is for them to see that 
no matter what, I don't care how long you've known each other, how much you've worked in the same thing, you think you think the same way. I use the example of my wife and I, right? We've known each other since we were five. We've been married 25 years. And when I get the most in trouble in my marriage is when I just assume that she's going to act or do a certain thing, act a certain way, do a certain thing. And in a partnership, it's the same way. You got to have that willingness to sit down and talk about what you would do or why they did it this way or how you can change. That communication is key. I, you nailed it. You, you hit the hammer on the nail. 100% agree. It's one of those things that I think is interesting. Um, now, your, uh, your, your doctor, your partner, it's also a female? Yes, sir. Okay. So I'm going to totally make a terrible statement here, but I'm wondering if it's true because I always talk about like what's in my head and I'll just bring it out. Go for it. I love it. To Shannon Chagrin, I talk, I just don't have a big filter, but I'm wondering it's if that it's in someone else's head too. So you might as well ask it. <laughs> yeah, sure. Well, it just makes me think, cause I don't know if I've actually had a conversation with two female doctors working together. I wonder if, because they understand the power of communication and men typically aren't as communicative <laughs> about stuff, that when you have two guys together who just like assume and do th that, that is why there's a lot more challenges and that maybe you're a little more successful with that because you actually understand, okay, it's okay to talk about our feelings. It's okay to talk about why we're upset or where we don't see things or why we're like, uh, it's the philosophy according to Dino, but I think there might be some merit to that. I'm, I'm laughing. I don't know if you, if you can see my yeah, face, see but nothing. I'm laughing really hard because um, my dad is also, was a small business owner. He's retired now. And, um, it was with his two brothers uh, and all the wives of these three brothers, my mom and her sister-in-laws would constantly gripe behind the scenes because the husbands would come home frustrated about something. And they're like, well, talk to your brothers. No, I don't want to do like, yeah, it's right. different, you know, and then the wives are resolving the issues for the husbands that own the business. <laughs> yeah. And, and but, they're asking um, for help and we give them help and they're like, no, I don't want to do that one. Yeah. And, and maybe that's different because it's their own brothers and like they have that family thing too. But um, no, it's, it's definitely, I think we have a little bit of an advantage and I think a lot of ease comes from us as the team does not feel more comfortable with her or more comfortable with myself nice. because it's both women. And I that's think right. when there's a doctor that's a male and a doctor that's a girl or two doctors that are males, maybe they tend to pull to one or the other mm -hmm. uh, based on personality. And for us, for the most part, th there's no, there's not really drama and ne neither one of us gets super upset. I mean, there's obviously frustrations, but sure. Um, I feel that we have an advantage because we do, you know, we just talk and we talk about a lot and, you know, we'll even plan, um, you know, once every few weeks to just spend Sunday from like 5 PM to midnight discussing everything on our list for the office with no one else around a glass of wine or whatever, <laughs> just visit. And, um, that's not something outside of just the also day-to-day -day keeping the business running conversations that we have. No, I think that's really smart. And I think it's something we can all take away uh, from this conversation is to be willing to be a lot more open around your communication. If you are someone who has an associate or a partner who is the 
uh, if you're two men out there, like you, I know you get it conceptually and every guy will be like, well, yeah, yeah, of course, I totally get it that we need to communicate more. But it's, there's, uh, Brendan Burchard is a great mentor and he talks about how there's uh, common knowledge and then there's common practice. And a lot of, I think people realize, anybody listening to this right now, it's like, well, of course we need to talk about things more. Of course we need to be open more. And yet the actual practice of doing it is a whole nother thing because not a skill set most guys are taught. And um, it's totally okay for women to talk about their feelings and stuff like that. So I'm glad that you brought that into that. I'm going to ask you another part of it. It really doesn't have to do with the partnership of it, but it, it sparks my interest and it's my show. So I can ask this question. Uh, <laughs> I've have had female doctors tell me how sometimes they feel that their female employees though, treat them a little differently than what they see their male colleagues being treated like because they're men in the sense of that sometimes the female employees will treat you a little more like girlfriend as opposed to boss. And if you say something that is you have to reprimand them, or if you have to have a harsh conversation with them, they take it even more personally because you're not their friend and they're realizing that at the moment you're their friend, you're friendly, but you're also their boss. Have you felt that at all? Or is that just that person's experience? So I have been fortunate um, as mentioned, to join a practice where the expectation between um, being a best friend and, and being your, also your boss or your leader or whatever you want to call it, your practice, your doctor, um, was well-defined. Good. That's not to say, though, that there isn't any of that because our team is truly... Um, and I would hope that if you were to call any of them right now and ask them, they would say, if I called Dr. Carter and needed her to come help me fix the flat tire on the side of the road, she would be there, but they're truly our family. And so there is, it is a boundary thing, but it's a more than anything, it's a respect thing. Mm. And our team, we want them to be, to know that we're there. We are their friend. We care about them, but we are not their best friend go out on the weekend but we're happy to listen to them if they need to talk or um help them when they they need additional help keeping that line of respect for that boundary is the challenging part the most challenging part it hasn't been super difficult i mean maybe more difficult with a few people than others and i think that boils down to a personality difference and that would be the case with male or female i agree i think that it is again going back to the communication idea of like okay well let's set our expectations up let's know exactly what this relationship really is and whether you're male or female i think it's important i know there's a lot of male doctors out there who are probably listening just maybe screaming into the radio right now i'm going like no i really am like i'm friendly with my patient my my, my girls they really appreciate me and they're my advocates and I'm not saying that that can't happen at all. I think it's important to make that happen through the communication of, uh, of what you want and really set up those expectations. Speaking of expectations, let's go back and talk more around the idea of the partnerships and stuff. What were some of the expectations you had going into a partnership and some of the expectations you actually had to let go of because of the compromise that you needed to make in order to make it work because they had their own expectations as well? What were some expectations you had going into being a, uh, uh, starting to be a partner? 
Um, I went in with um, the mindset of I probably was really going to have to prove myself because mm-hmm. I'm practically coming in and crashing the team's perfect world as they see it. You know, they have a doctor they like or they wouldn't sure. work there. Um, they have systems in place. And so for me, I had the mindset of coming in as the outsider and really wanting to make sure that I not just demanded, but actually earned the Mm -hmm. trust and respect of the team. And so that was the expectation I had. There's also expectations you, um, have to let go of. So I think I came in thinking, I was an associate, obviously, at first, and (laughs) I'm laughing. You get in a private practice from residency, and um, I feel grateful that the education, the background education I had at University of Florida, I felt was amazing. And treatment planning and orthodontics instantly becomes the easiest part of your entire life. Yeah. Yeah. And I had these expectations that I would go to work, and then I would, you know, go volunteer in the community and have a like great life. <laughs> you had a <the> whole plan. <laughs> um, because, you know, we had worked all these 11 years in college. And, yeah. and when I came home on the weekends during college, I still volunteered. You know, I still would make an appearance at community events. Um, it's just, you know, my family was there, so I'd go with them. Sure. And, and that kind of all became not reality. Um, I was driving far for a few of my offices I was working in and leaving at 4am and getting home at 10pm and and working Saturdays. And I almost, I wouldn't say I lost my identity, but I, and I wouldn't say I was living to work. I was doing what I needed to do. I had loans to pay, um, still do, but I lost a sense of where my mind and where I needed to refocus Mm. my goals and attention to and say, okay, what is the long-term things that I want? You know, I'm working really hard. I'm not in the community as much as I thought I'd be. And so I actually ended up, and I give more than a 90 day notice um, at my one year mark when one of my contracts ended for a corporate job, letting them know that I needed, I was taking half a pay cut (laughs) But so that way I could really invest myself back into my community and my practice that I knew was my future long-term goal. And that was before I had a partnership agreement. So once again, taking a risk, but you just have to, you have to constantly be reevaluating those expectations of what you thought when you got in and then what you need to change and set expectations. But if they don't go that way, just sit down and, and be open to new expectations. No, absolutely. I think that's so important. Uh, with that. So let's talk about some of the pros and cons that you mentioned a little bit before about being in a partnership, because I'm sure there are some people out there going like, yeah, but I have to give up half of this or I have to give up that. Sure, there's uh, there's uh, opportunity there, but what am I sacrificing? So I'd love to find out from you what you've seen and what you had to, uh, again, compromise with when it comes to the pros and cons of being a partner. Great. Um this is probably one of my favorite things to, to talk to younger residents about, just to be aware of. You, pros and cons. Pros, absolutely amazing. You always have somebody. Like right now, what everything that we are going through with this office is, I can call someone and be like, did you read this bill and understand it? And yes, we have Facebook groups 
which is almost like having, you know, 4,000 partners at your fingertips. Yeah. Um, to ask questions too, but you can ask more than that. You know, some things that you might not want to share to the world. Um, and so it's really, really awesome to talk about a difficult case or how to handle a situation in the office. Maybe it's a team member, maybe it's an unhappy parent, maybe it's what event should we sponsor? Where is your heart at? Um, all the millions of things about the business that you probably struggle internally doing on your own, just to have a reassurance plan, you know, a second opinion. The cons um, are what we talked about earlier, communicating, but once you decide that you are going to force yourself to communicate, you then have to force yourself to be open-minded mm. and give grace because as we said, no one's going to do everything the same. So if it, if it doesn't actually change anything within the culture or the philosophy of your practice values, then give grace to each other on the way you are both doing things in the practice. Um, and then open your mind to changing things. So I came out of a residency that we had a laser at our fingertips. We had scanners at our fingertips. I had a CPT at my fingertips. Everything was ideal. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then you realize how much things cost when you get out. I mean, we always had sharp instruments and, you know, like you accidentally waste a few links of power chain. You're like, Whatever. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. um, and I, I do think we were very caught aware of it, but um, there's just things that sure. you need to be open-minded to. So I got into a practice that did not have a CBCT, um, did not have a laser. And I was used to just like, oh, they need a phrenectomy or I want to get some of this gummy tissue out of the way so I can put the bracket in better tissue. And I, and as much as I wanted to have those things back, I had to just kind of come up with other ways, like maybe put the bracket where I can and put the wire over it so it'll extrude the tooth and then re Instead of becoming frustrated that you don't have all the tools at your fingertips, learn like, hey, they are, you're, you're joining that practice because they're successful. Otherwise you would, they don't need you there. And so learn why they are successful and what they're doing to be successful, even if it's different than your own way. And well, that's been a huge lifesaver for our relationship for the most part. Yeah. It sounds like you had to really get to that place from, as you said, going from frustration to innovation. Like, how are you going to look at this a different way? Um, I'm going to guess too, one of the big pros is the fact that you weren't taught how to run a business in school. Uh, they don't teach you all of that, uh, that much on how to actually run a business. And you get to come into an environment where someone's been kind of learning by the school of hard knocks and their experience over the last X amount of years that you get to glean off of that as well. So you're both a student and a, a partner. Is that, was that the case for you? 100%. Um, I agree that there were so many wonderful systems in place in the office. And when you decide to hire an associate that might have a potential to become a partner, what's really amazing is they did everything how I would perceive is just customer service oriented, treat patients like royalty. And then I had an opportunity to come in and start with the bar high and then add to it versus 
starting here, how you know yeah. when residency, and then trying to work up my customer service and how I treat patients and systems to here and then here and then here. So she already had it here, obviously being successful, but it was really cool because she allowed me to come in and say, Hey, I'm not saying you're doing it wrong. I think we do it. Right. Amazing. Obviously you do it amazing, but what if we also did this or like, and taking it even higher. And so mm -hmm. she had to be just as open as yeah. I did because I would come in with like, I'm sure what she probably regretted hiring me at some point in <laughs> the process, because I do have, I, you know, your, uh -huh. your younger doctors are going to come in with ideas that you haven't thought of or that they've seen at meetings and maybe yep. some of them are probably not good ideas, but if you're open to those ideas, you've already given them an amazing platform to build on. And so you can just be that much further ahead than people that only have one person there or are starting from scratch. So I don't know. I mean, that's kind of, I totally agree. <laughs> no, I totally agree. And there's, there's two sides of it, right? So you're coming in. I often talk about the most valuable person in your business is the newest employee because they have the freshest eyes because they're seeing things that you're not seeing because you're inside your jar. So you coming in to be like, hey, what about this? What about that? The other side of that has to be, and this is major kudos to your partner, is that she was able to be open enough to mm -hmm. go, okay, she's going to come with fresh eyes. She's going to come with all these ideas. Like you said, they're not always going always to be winners. But, <laughs> there, but there's an opportunity here for me to expand and grow as a business owner and I get the benefit of having those fresh eyes brought into my business to help improve the business. Like that's super powerful. That's where the marriage works the best. And for those that are listening and those that are thinking about doing a partnership or in the middle of a partnership, I think those are the two real important ways to look at it that both of you are coming to the table with not only a certain set of technical skills of what you do, but also you have two different perspectives. We talked about this at the beginning of the show, but both those perspectives can be right. Correct. And they can be super powerful for your business. I love that. Uh, I wanted to ask you about the grace because I love that you mentioned that twice. I think more and more people, especially in the world that we live in today, that we could all use and we can all benefit to give more grace. And in a partnership, again, we're gonna go back to the marriage analogy, I'm going to assume there's a lot of grace that has to be given and asked for. You are correct. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm sure I'm the partner that has to ask for more grace um, than be given. And I would assume if, if we both think that, then that's probably why our partnership works. That's but, a really good um, point. I, I think a lot of stress within partnerships, I just want to get this off the table because this is probably the number one reason partnerships fail. It's actually not about decisions you can't agree upon. It's about money. Mm -hmm. And I took a pay cut initially, a little lower value um, initially in the private practice, knowing I had potential, you know, five, 10 years from now, I'll be fine. And that's, you know, but she also has, she's closer to retirement and I'm not saying she's retiring right now, but she also had goals in mind and did hire me and I probably did come in and kind of like flip her world and the entire team's world upside down. And I think that a lot of people that own these businesses, it, they treat them like they're babies. I mean, the patients are their family, the team, sure. are their family. it's not because they're trying to be greedy or controlling. A lot of times the owner doctors are unintentionally 
doing that. Yeah. And that creates frustration in the junior doctor. Um, and then they see it as different. And the owner daughter's like, well, you have no idea how much work I've put in this practice. And, and that's kind of the horror stories I heard. But a lot of that goes away if, if the money and the financials are put all aside and you just decide mentally, they have put in 20 years of really hard work and I didn't have to start rock bottom without paying myself for two or five years or whatever. And I was given all these systems that I can already build upon. I'm already in a better position than I would be otherwise. And so just work hard and you're going to be in that same position 20 years from now. And, yeah. and for me, that's how I was able to give grace is just accept that just because I work hard and honestly now in the practice, I work more days than my partner, but I would be doing that no matter what I would yeah. put, be putting in that time and that energy, no matter where I am. And you just let it go. And maybe some people say, well, that's not fair or whatever. Well, life is not fair. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's like I tell my, I tell my kids, or we used to tell our kids, our kids aren't home anymore, but we used to tell our kids when they would say that, right? It's not fair. We'd say, no, everything's fair. It's just not equal. And that, I love that. <laughs> and that's how you have to approach it is you have to be like, no, it, it, it's totally fair because at that time, 20 years ago, the fairness was that person had to work the way that they did in their practice. It's so interesting you bring this up because I had a, uh, a partnership that I was dealing with a couple of years ago, and that was the biggest argument between them as the younger person was like, I'm doing all this stuff. And the other one's like, I've done all that stuff. I want to be able to have some more days off. I want to go and play a little bit more. I'm, I'm on the other side of that hill. And they just couldn't see eye to eye on that because the younger one really wanted the equality of the two. Well, then it ended up dissolving, doing different businesses. And now the younger one is obviously working five times harder because he's right. all by himself in that business. Um, and I think that, that was a good point that you just said about how the older, not older, senior doctor yeah. <laughs> may want to cut back. And that's where, okay, that's fine. This isn't a partnership. Some partnerships are amazing because it's, someone that's been out five, 10 years and they're still going to practice for another 10, 20 years and they're bringing in someone and they're both trying to work right. really hard to grow the practice. And then there's different scenarios like mine and myself where the senior doctor is cutting back, whether it's for personal or professional reasons. And they have to be willing to say, okay, if I am giving and delegating some tasks to a partner, then I can't maintain my exact same. Like, yes, I have worked hard for this, but that doesn't mean so they still have to take a sacrifice somewhere. I do yeah. agree with that. I don't think it's to hire someone to slave away for you well, so you can go play. Sure. Yep. Um, uh, I mean, there probably are some people that do that, but that's just not human. That's not treating a human like a human should be treated to me. So I do think the senior doctors need to be aware yep. that unless they are trying to grow the practice the same way their associate doctor is, then they do need to make a sacrifice. And if they're not, if they're hiring someone because they want to cut back or they don't want to work as hard and that other person does come in and do a lot of work to help the practice, then they need to be willing to take a sacrifice. But that doesn't mean the partnership cannot work out. A hundred percent. I think it all falls back to, I'm a big fan of, I always say the most important question we always can ask ourselves and ask others is, uh, well, first ourselves, what do I want? 
what do I want? And if I can figure out what I want, then I can figure out how to proceed forward or what tools I need to proceed forward. So I, my advice would be for those senior doctors to decide what do they want. And in the interview process of those partners, talk about what you want. Like if you want to take a seat back and only work one day a week or whatever, like that's the goal, then that should be really communicated well and multiple times over and over and over again before both of you say yes to this. And the junior partner or the new partner gets to also say, oh, this is what I want. And now we can meld those two together because you're both benefiting from this partnership if you look at it the right way. 100%. Wow, that's so great. Well, you are uh, just a, a plethora of information. Like, this is great. I love having someone on who's in the midst of it. And uh, how long have you been partners now? Technically, we've been partners since January 1st, so uh, two and a half months. Okay, so <laughs> we've great. been in practice together for three years. So this is what I'm talking about, that fresh eyes, right? So everybody listening got to hear a fresh perspective of uh, from Dr. Alyssa about how she is dealing with this brand new like transition, because it's kind of like, I'm a big fan, uh, most people know this, I'm a big fan of marriage, uh, as opposed to living with each other, because in business, we don't anymore do business based upon just our word of like, yeah, let's get business together. Let's invest all this money. There's a contract, right? So that contract that happened between the two of you, it actually went into play January 1st, but you've been building up doing the engagement part this last three years. So now this is, that's why this is so powerful to have you on the show because people are hearing this fresh perspective, understanding where the mindset is and how to make it successful because the way that you build a foundation for anything is going to determine the success of that thing long-term. The way you're building that foundation where obviously you guys have built that foundation together is going to help your success be long-term. And that's a beautiful thing to see. So thank you for being a great example for that. You're welcome. I'm sure there's well, a lot of great examples out there, but I'm happy to help. That's right. Well, we, we can get as many as we, we want to get as many as we can. So people can have that hope on there. Uh, I have just a few more questions to ask you before we go into our six question kind of lightning round. The last right. question is this is every business struggles. Every business has challenges, uh, especially right now. We're in a world at the time of this recording. So whenever you're listening to this show, we're in the middle of the coronavirus stuff and offices being shut down by the government. And there's a lot of uncertainty, but beyond that, where are your biggest challenges in your practice right now? So that's a great question. Um, I think it would be hard to be a practice owner and deny the fact that you've ever started looking around you, seeing what everyone else is doing. And there's no way for any single practice to do it all or have the best of the best. And, and so our biggest struggles are you can't be the best everything with your practice. You can't be the best wife and mom and spouse and aunt and business owner. And you know, you just can't. And so what are the prior, like prioritizing what you want to try to become best at or improve on in right now, what's the top priority. And so for our office, it's where can, what is most important for us to improve on right now? How can we take care of it? And then what can we do after that? Mm. So um, as simple as like delegating, you know, you, you have ideas. Who can I delegate this to that can do it and represent our culture? And 
where do they start? How do I coach them to, to help with that? Um, there's just so many things with the ever-changing technology in our profession and probably any medical profession, probably any profession, period. <laughs> um, with all the technologies and all of, you could have 400 treatment plans for the same patient and all 400 people could have an amazing result. Yeah. So becoming overwhelmed and can make you lose focus of your vision and your culture. And that's, in my opinion, very easy to happen to any person. So I've really tried to focus on staying in my own lane. Like if I'm bowling, I don't care if the person on this side is doing this or mm. if the person's doing this. I just want to focus on like my end result. Yeah. And I think that helps me stay a little bit more bound to our vision and our culture. And instead of hearing what other people are doing, and yes, I do think you have to know what's going on in the world around you. And it's good to educate yourself and go to conferences and learn, but you know, don't worry about if someone's doing something that you don't think is fitting for your practice, do what take from everything you see and just focus, like turn it into your own and focus it in on your practice. And that's a really hard thing yeah. for me as a young business owner to internally not become overwhelmed by, because I'm the type, any orthodontist is type A, and I'm the type of person, I will stay up till 3 a.m. typing something or working on something that probably I could have delegated or yep. someone could have done, done better. And, it's, and so it's hard, it's hard to prioritize and focus and keep your vision. It's it's so crucial, um, as you were saying, right, with all the challenges that are in practice, sometimes you can lose your way. And uh, I always talk about the power of a strong vision that's relatable and retellable because that's the anchor to when things do get crazy. To Right now, we're in, living in a world where there's a lot of craziness going on. And from the very beginning, from day one, I have been trying to scream as loud as I can hold to your core values and hold to that anchor of your vision because that's the only thing that's going to get you through. It's not going to be the government subsidies. It's not going to be your team members. It's going to be your core values and your anchor. So, so important to you. Um, okay. the way that you, you said that. That was really amazing. You're going to bring Thank me. you. You're going to make me cry. <laughs> it's, it's, so, it's so true. That's, it's really heartfelt. It, it, it's, it's the only thing that I found in my life that actually has helped me through the biggest challenges I've ever had. And I think if you look at all businesses, all countries, um, all societies, that that's the only two things that have held true throughout, throughout all of them. So I'm glad that you're a great example to that and you guys are working on that. That's amazing. Um, we've come to the place in our show where we talk, where we ask our six rapid fire questions and we just give us the first answer that comes to the top of your head as quickly as you possibly can. You ready to play? I, I guess. Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> What's the number one thing that you wish that they would have taught you in graduate school? Um, how to get rid of the coronavirus. <laughs> <laughs> so timely. Wouldn't that be nice? <laughs> You, you'd, be, um, you'd be the hero of the world right now. No, uh, probably a little bit more, honestly. Um, a little bit of background on me. I do actually, when I was in um, college, I double majored and I did a minor, but I have a degree in um, business. And so I wouldn't say it's necessarily the business side for me. I like to learn that. So I, 
I'm kind of glad I, I wasn't taught all of it because everyone wants to run their business their own way. I would say, um, honestly, a little bit more about phase one orthodontics. That's what I had to learn most about when I graduated. Oh, interesting. Interesting. That's very good. I haven't had that answer yet. That's very good. All right. What's a book that you believe every private practice owner should read? Based on everyone's personal challenges, personality, what kind of practice they're in, that could be different. But um, mm -hmm. a couple of my favorites are Dare to Lead. Love it. Go Giver. Yep. That's awesome. Dare to Lead is uh, one that I'm actually rereading right now. I audiobook right. everything, but it's great. I know she's your Texas homegirl, but still, it's really <laughs> uh, In my book, The Practice Rx, I focus a lot on team culture and team performance as the foundation to business growth. What do you see is the biggest challenge uh, that private practice owners are facing with their teams and office culture? When you think about your colleagues or you talk to your colleagues, what do you feel the biggest challenge is? They all three intermix. I'm going to say lack of communication, inefficiency, repeating un like unnecessary things because you're repeating stuff. Mm. Um, and that leads to frustration. Yeah, as a, for sure. As a, as a business owner, entrepreneur. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Those are three really good things. That's so true. How can listeners reach out to you if they wanted to ask you a question or just find out like your experience? Is there a, a way that would be best for them to reach out to you? They can contact me anyway, but um, easiest way is probably just adding me on Facebook and shooting me a message. Awesome. That's a great. We'll also put that link on our show notes as well. <laughs> What's the best advice that you've ever received in life or business? Um, life and business are probably two different things. Okay. Um, life is... Um, if someone has to find something and maybe business too, the negative to talk about you or say to you, then they may need the most grace and the most love given back to them rather than negative words said back to them, because there may be something going on with their heart or in their life that we just don't understand or know. And so try to find the positive in people. And if you don't see that that's happening with someone, you know, that they tend to have a negative thought or attack other people, like sh give them love. They deserve that. They need that. And for some reason, they're not like that. So, you know, kind of like that mean girls thing back in the day. <laughs> yeah. If someone's like mean to you because you have a new cell phone, they're probably actually jealous or. <laughs> yeah. yeah, totally. Like, um, I have your patients, maybe because I'm a woman doctor, they're always telling me like if they had a bad day at school or they just open up. And I always try to tell them that like if someone's jealous about something, they probably wish they had it. So, so don't rub it in their face. Like go give them some kindness back. Um, but so yeah. True. And I think so we should do that with our colleagues and our neighbors and, and just laugh and be happy and care about other people. Well, what a better world we would have if we did that and we practice that more often of just realizing that everyone's going through their own struggle. I, there's one more question, but on that note, I just wanted to, I had a, a mentor years ago who he was in charge. He was actually a, the, like the pastor at my church and he had said, you know, because he gets to hear, hear everybody's problems, everybody's challenges. And he said, man, if I could go to a basketball court and I could put everybody's problems in the middle of the basketball court and then make everybody else come in and look at everyone's problems, 99% of you would gladly go back and pick up your own problem. 
100%. I love that. I've never heard that, but I love that. It's like, that's so true, right? We all have our own demons we're battling. And so to give grace more often. Last question is, what's the best resource or tool that you have used to grow your practice? Um, moving back to my hometown, um, just staying genuine hmm. and um, vulnerable and caring, truly caring about, about people. And then... Um, I feel like I work hard. Like I work my ass off. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know, it, to say that or not. <laughs> no, sure. it comes down to that, right? It comes down to like really working hard and caring about people as a healthcare provider. I, I, I it's in the name people. So hopefully that's a big part of it. Um, that's beautiful. Thank you so much. So Dr. Alyssa Emily, uh, Emery Carter, thank you so much for being here and for your words of wisdom. I know that there are people who, have uh, taken notes on this, who have come back and listened to this. And I'm, I'm lucky enough to be on the receiving end. And a lot of the comments when people listen to the show and how grateful they are for the value that people bring. And you brought a ton of value. And I'm sure gave some great ideas for people who are thinking about becoming a partner or getting a partner. So it's much appreciated. Thank you very much. You're so welcome. If anyone ever wants to reach out to me about partnership agreement or, um, thinking about it or, or where to even start. I, I'm here. I'm happy to help. As, as you said, I've been there and, um, you know, you can delete this next statement off the podcast if you want, but, um, or you can keep it. I don't care, but, um, I'm actually just something a lot of people don't know is that I, I actually am in the middle of writing a book that does oh, that good. talks a lot about trying to understand other people's perspectives and where they come from and giving grace and, um, you know, staying true to your heart. And so I love it. I love it. I love it. I wish more doctors would write books. I love it. I think that that's powerful. And what a great perspective you're going to have of helping people. And good for you. Good for you. That's great. Well, when you do write the book, when you're done, we'll have to have you back on the show so we can promote it and talk about it and get people buying it because I think that's uh, really powerful. Well, thank you again for being here. We so appreciate it. And everybody out there listening, again, being here as uh, part of our, our audience and listening in, it just is so humbling and I'm so grateful for you uh, doing so. And our goal is always to give you the best possible information we can come up with, with having the best guests we can. And today was no exception. Thank you so much for being here. As you know, on our show, our goal is to always help you be more proactive, productive, and profitable in all areas of your life. Until next time, everybody, we'll see you on the next show. Bye. Thanks so much again for listening to the ProPreneur Podcast. We really appreciate your support. If you haven't subscribed already, please make sure you do so. Also, if you feel like you might be a good fit for our podcast as a guest or know somebody who you think would be, go ahead and email us at dino at dinowatt.com. Again, thanks for support. We'll see you on the next episode.